January 8th, 7.07. Follow up to that last podcast, which was Grace in Death. It was pretty chill, done at 4 a.m., but there was... uh, there was some there were some dark elements to that one and i'm calling this one grace in life cuz i'm feeling far different at a more sane hour of the day on my father's 72nd birthday he called me after the last one and said hey take it easy on that you're trying to do some things in the public and anybody that listened to to that 4am that 4 a.m. version is going to think you're, you know, not in his words, but somewhat of a nut job. It's not going to be good for business. Um, and there's a time to speak your truth. There's a time to advertise and hold up a certain image. But it's even sweeter when you can be doing both at the same time. And at this hour, in this vibe and mood, thought patterns that I was experiencing this morning and the love, I am pretty sure that that's going to be possible. I woke up with that feeling of love and that, that Natalie Cole song, I've Got Love on My Mind, 1977 it was, nothing particularly wrong. I woke up this morning It was staring me straight in the eyes. I've got love on my mind. And that's a beautiful feeling for for a woman to enjoy and certainly for a man to enjoy and to be able to give her. And, you know, I've got the blessing of going to bed, waking up with the woman of my dreams, which is an amazing, amazing thing. I can't always appreciate, you know, the, the fullness of that. Can't always feel it, as you may have heard on, on the 4 a.m. version, the grace and death. Uh, there are times when she gets on my nerves. But my God, last night was, uh, you know, it was one of these magical ones that many never get to get to enjoy the you know, what comes before it, you know, what comes during, and then the sweet aftermath of actual love. Um, We've been toying around with taking coffee out of the diet. We take out different ingredients from the diets. We, you know, kind of removed alcohol for a little while and have been on that kick. So she upped it. To a, to a ridiculous level because she'd been having coffee every morning like clockwork for the last 30 years. And she simply says, my mind is stronger than my body. If my mind tells me I'm not going to be having any coffee, then I won't have it. And sure enough, uh, she stuck to that. And why is it relevant? Because... Um, without that caffeine kick, without that caffeine kick, uh, you return to a more natural pace of life. You're not on the high and low, the, 
the screeching anxiety, you know, that pushes you and gives you that, that extra kick and then makes you crash. And without being on that kick, both of us, I mean, yesterday I did have, all right, I, I snuck a, a cup at one point in the day, uh, but she didn't. And we just connected, you know, a good conversation is, at least for a woman, is, um, is quite an aphrodisiac, you know, and, and for a man as well, I believe, if you can do it right. And, you know, we just had such nice, chill conversation, um, you know, throughout, throughout the evening. I want to now get off the love subject, but that is the vibe that this is on. Um, you know, we've been having some major political events in the last few days. And my little joke is that the political segment is brought to you by intersectional minority trading cards. You know, that's my Trumpy right wing. Um, little bash on the whole intersectional vibe of the Democrats, um, how they, like, we're the f first uh, Jewish husband of a black Asian uh, female vice president. You know, it's, the whole intersectional thing is, uh, you know, fairly pathetic and its own sort of racism and sexism in certain ways, um, but it's also you know, on their behalf, it's, uh, um, it comes, it comes from a place of love. And, uh, you know, even though it's extremely annoying sometimes and, you know, quite unproductive at times, uh, it is coming from love, excitement, uh, that, that these firsts, that certain groups are getting their first taste of, um, winning or, or power. And, you know, for people that have been exploited and shit on, you know, for generations, um, you know, that provides an amazing relief and sense of hope. Um, Obama, you know, gave that to, to many. And anyway, two sides to these coins. Um, we had the runoff election in Georgia go down a few days ago. We had Warnock beating uh, Purdue, uh, or was, let's see, I get those a little confused. It was Leffler getting beat by radical leftist socialist Raphael Warnock, as she liked to call him in the debates. Miss Leffler, a billionaire, um, you know, or multimillionaire woman, who spoke like a robot and just bashed this pastor at the debates. Um, you know, I tended to lean toward the Republican side for quite a while, but, um, you know, as Trump has done um, with the way that he's gone down in flames, um, Leffler did the same thing to me when I watched her in the debate. Um, you know, just as she referred continued to refer to this fairly decent fellow as this radical socialist leftist 
Um, it just started to make me sick to my stomach. Um, and Warnock, uh, Warnock beat her the other day, and he didn't gloat. He was just pretty chill about it. And out of the four people running, I found him to be the most human and decent, even though, you know, sure enough, some of his leftist uh, principles and certain things he said, I'm sure I would take issue with. But, um, you know, it was good to see him win. Um, and then this first Jewish, 33-year-old Jewish man uh, in uh, John Ossoff, he beats, and he's also the son or grandchild of immigrants, which, you know, mirrors my demographics. Um, you know, Ossoff beat uh, Purdue, who Purdue didn't even, you know, have the balls to debate him in one of the, in one of the uh, debates. He just left the chair empty because he was chicken shit or too good for it. You know, another rich guy that's been in, in power and got knocked out. And the Democrats took, took power back over in the Senate. And, uh, you know, we'll see what that brings. I have, I have mixed emotions about it, but at least with Warnock, you know, Ossoff really talks like a robot and is really, you know, feels justified in his you know, leftist crusade. Um, but it may be better, you know, there's a good chance it's better than, than having Purdue in there. Um, the next day, right after these two won, the next day was January the 6th, two days ago. And Trump had been tweeting for quite a while to his followers, um, I'll see you on January 6th at the Capitol. It's gonna be wild. You know, egging, egging his people on. And sure enough, it worked. And the D.C. police were, um, and the security team were an amazingly pathetic and ill-prepared group. And the Trump posse stormed the Capitol right out of some movie, went in, broke shit, shimmied up the scaffolding, pushed past the few cops that were in there. Some of the cops were said to have let them in because they were probably had some allegiance to Trump. Um, most were just overwhelmed, and it was a pathetic sight to see, you know, for many. Um, a really brutal day in democracy. And it just, it made a lot of people sick, sick to their stomachs to see it. The way that, uh, the way those people treated the, the process, the, the Senate building, the, the people that are trying to do the work is, as vile and annoying as they can be, they're still trying to get the country's job done. And there's nothing like seeing people attacked, you know, by by a mob to make you feel some sympathy for them. And it 
it just it didn't feel good you know and I will say that even as I try to slam these people that deserve it there is the part of me that you know I there was a, there was a time where I was where I was cheering for Trump a little bit and you know it makes a lot of people easily got swept up into that that maga spirit it, it provides a second wind of relevance and a bond and um, the, the same stuff you know Trump and Hitler are not the same by any means um, but the same stuff the same fervor and vibe of you know we're special in your in your dirty Democrats or dirty Jews um, it's the same vibe you know whether it's it was the Germans back in in the 40s or the people that got swept into the MAGA vibe. It's, um, it provides you a feeling, a bond, a feeling of relevance and safety and togetherness, a common enemy. And it's very easy to get swept into that. disoriented and sad thinking about the way those folks broke into the Capitol building and thrashed thrashed uh, 240 plus years of uh, American democracy Um, you know they're going to have a case that they're justified in all of this um and I was taking a bit of responsibility for, you know, having supported some of that Trump rise and say, trying to say some positive things about him because the Democrats had so disillusioned and annoyed me. But of course, whenever we're blaming one of these parties, you know, we're probably 80% blaming ourselves for ways that we've acted and mistakes we've made in life and trying to put it on one party or the other. I mean, I think that's a lot of the political game that's being played. And whenever I say anything bad about Trump now, you know, I can picture some of those people that broke into the Capitol building accosting me and and saying, look, you faggot, you Democrat bitch. You're a traitor. You said you were part of MAGA, and now you ain't shit. You know, I mean, it's, you, you, you get jumped into the gang and you experience the, the protection of the gang. Um, and it's sweet for a while. But if you try to get out of any of these groups, that's the price you pay. Um, you, you become the enemy. And that's, that's the game we've seen Trump play with almost all of his people that have stood by him. The second they say enough is enough, you can't do that to democracy. You can't talk about people that way. Um, 
now you've gone too far. Uh, you know, even Pence and, uh, and Mitch McConnell uh, at the beginning of that day uh, where people broke into the Capitol, each of those fellows that for the most part had stood by Trump through the duration of the reign, um, both of them said, this is getting ridiculous. McConnell said that the election was not even close. Why are you guys doing this? There's no way that he won. It wasn't close. But they come back and say, oh, it was a blowout for Trump in our, in our little imaginary world. We want him to win, and so, of course, he must have. And on my block of Trump supporters, he, uh, he was the unanimous favorite. So it, it's not possible that this uh, Democrat Biden could have, could have beat our, our Lord and Savior, Donald Jesus. Um, you know, people are living in their bubbles. I'm going to transition back to the, uh, to the addiction front. I spoke about the elimination of coffee and how the ways that that allows you to return to nature's pace and, you know, revisit the strength and amazingness of, of the own human body. Um, I'm blessed to still have a great functional body and eliminating some of these addictive ingredients, you know, whether it's white sugar, coffee, alcohol, the, the continued elimination of, of each of these, whether it's reduced you get some benefits of the natural body and the natural functional mind. But when you eliminate some of these things on days where you live clean, get the exercise, put the right stuff into the body. Uh, all I can tell you is at least after the two, three days of that it takes to withdraw or maybe up to a week, you know, for people significantly addicted, Somewhere between three and seven days after you eliminate the things that aren't good for you, you will experience amazing natural rewards of health coming back to you. Um, and you just have to replace the things you cut out with good things. Exercise being the primary. Exercise, creative endeavors. If you, can, if you can replace the dark with the light, I promise you that you'll experience some amazing rewards. Um, I began on the love kick last night, um, or last at the beginning of the podcast, and, and going back to last night, just the immense love, sweetness um, with my wife. And it's in contrast to a a fellow down in the deep south, down in Mississippi, when I was doing Teach for America, I went over to this fellow, the gambler's house. The gambler was a, a young native Itabina, Mississippi boy, white boy that grew up in the black community because his father had died when he was 13 and he needed some, some boys to, to hang out with. And guess what? They, they weren't always the greatest of influences. But I was over at his house over just off Main Street, Itabina. And um, 
this fellow, a relative of his, walks in with his wife. And these, as my brother would later say of these folks, when my brother briefly visited Mississippi, you know, for a few days, uh, my brother said it looked like they were relics from the Civil War. And this fellow walked in and, you know, he's just blasted, drunk off his ass. And he's got this wife that, you know, looks like she's suffering from fetal down syndrome or some shit. So at some point I looked at him and I said, oh, that's your wife over there? Can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. And I said, do you love her? You know, I, I don't usually just go up and ask people that, but I think his drunkenness was rubbing off on me or something. And I just plain asked him, do you love her? And he looks back at me, he smiles, and he says, well, I like to fuck her. And it was classic. It was just a classic moment. <sighs> but on the addiction front, going back, all of last night, the beauty of last night, the amazing love, this relationship, um, of course, it's not possible without love. It's not possible without communication. And it also wouldn't have been possible. Connecting it to the addiction theme also wouldn't have been possible if I had continued to play my, my little online poker game. That's my, you know, that's always been my, my central vice. Um, you know, gambling and certainly online gambling with the magnified speed, any addiction you have, if you do it online, um, if you get your drugs online, if you do your porn online or gambling online, everything's faster, everything's more addictive, more readily available. And last night I played on 60 bucks. And I played some tournaments, some cash games. I went up, I went down, I almost won some tournament, you know, I almost got to the money and then won some tournament. They would have given me 500 bucks or something. More time to spin out and indulge the addiction. Um, at the moment where I'm thrust out of the tournament, when my ace-king loses to a pocket pair, one of these bullshit 50-50 scenarios, the moment where it happens, I say, damn, I could have won this little bit of money that right now feels so significant, right? Um, but the amazing thing is that if I win, I keep playing and playing. Um, and I wouldn't have been able to connect with my wife in nearly the way that I did. And an amazing, you know, night of love and connection would have just been reduced to average crap like millions of other pathetic losers are experiencing as they look for to fulfill their little addiction online and because of this 60 bucks lost it gave me the window to breathe do my push-ups be myself and connect same thing at the beginning of our relationship november 18 
my life falling apart, going to six days of rehab, and then coming back and meeting my wife on that escalator in a clean state of mind. Only possible because the money had been lost, the pride and the need to stick with the addiction and the desire to double down on mistakes made yesterday and the previous day had gone out the window and a fresh, beautiful start had emerged. And that's the name of the mediation group that we're, that we're doing some work with, is Fresh Start Mediation of Calgary and Canada. And there is nothing as sweet and beautiful in this world as when you shake off the darkness, the addiction, and you get back to your, your true amazing self. And I, I believe anybody can, can do that.